Welcome to episode 17 of the Tales and Tunes podcast. This week, we dive into a bit of history of the Denver scene over the past 15 years with this week's guest and Colorado native, Devin Gilmer, aka DBSD. But as always, let's start things off proper with D-Tsunami's number one track pick of the week. The track featured this week can be found on Leap Frog Records. The track is entitled Art to Create, produced by Kimmich. Here we go.
Thanks for tuning in, guys. My guest this week is a Colorado native who has been involved with the house and techno scene for quite a while. And when I say quite a while, that is 1998. Promoter and performer for over 13 years with multiple residencies in both Denver and Fort Collins and countless involvements with club shows, warehouse events, and after parties. So without further ado, let's welcome Devin Gilmer to the podcast. Devin, thanks for coming on here, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, we've... uh, uh, we've been wanting to get you on here, I think, since the first one I did with Jan. Yeah. Back, back when you used to live with him, I came over back in October of, man, 2014 already. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. We were like, yeah, we're going to get you on here. So it's finally yeah. finally cool to make that happen, man. Uh, how's Absolutely. Yeah, how's 2016 been so far for you? It's been good, man. I, uh, I'm getting settled into uh, a new job. Um, I'm working with this uh, marketing firm called Madwire doing graphic design and mm-hmm. uh, web design and um, yeah I'm, I mean I'm back up in Fort Collins and that's a little different but mm-hmm. uh, it's good it's yeah. good yeah how often do you get to make it down to Denver anymore then I mean I'm I'm probably down here every couple of weeks every couple of weeks still yeah my family's down here so mm-hmm. um I come down to visit and see friends, go yeah. to shows and stuff. Still, so Fort Collins is pretty yeah. familiar to you, though. It is, yeah. I went to uh, I went to CSU for college, so yeah. Any any highlights from this year, though? Have you been to any shows, or have you been laying pretty low then? I've been laying pretty low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I've been laying like super low. Yeah, for sure. Is that giving you time to focus on music at all? Or? Yeah, definitely. I I've been I've been really wanting to get back into production. Because I've messed around uh, with with writing tracks for you know the last five years or so, but never really never really had the time to really commit to it mm-hmm. um, so much. And now, you know, a job's paying the bills, so I have free time to you know focus on. Yeah, all that. Not so getting freaky just, on the weekends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. So. That sucks up a lot of time. <laughs> Taking a little break from the party. So cool, man. Yeah, it's been good. Well, yeah. This uh, this weekend. Uh, well, today's Sunday. So uh, this this past couple of days was the Denver Winter Showcase. Right. Uh, I went out on Thursday night. Uh, Robert Dietz played at Milk Bar. He was pretty good. Nice. He started out really strong. Uh, then on Friday, uh, Punches up at. Uh, Beta. My good friend uh, Mike Walker had his first time uh, debut at the lounge. Oh, nice! He opened up and he played all originals. He he did a really fun, good job. And Very then cool. uh, another uh, good good friend of yours and uh, partner in crime a lot of the time, Josh Mankey was. Right. Uh, he played from twelve to one and right. absolutely slayed it. And nice. Yeah. He he had been uh, previously tied up with some shit and yeah, yeah, hadn't definitely. been able to get out. So uh, it was right. awesome to hear him get up and bang some serious techno yeah for sure he had a lot of fucking fun up there so nice it was really cool and then uh last night we uh a did uh uh adriatic mm-hmm. i think it was like a three or four hour set at uh cluster yep. and have you been in the the cluster for those of you who don't know is one of the biggest uh warehouse uh venues and probably one of my favorites honestly uh in the denver area and uh but prior shows, like I've seen, like Tale of Us and Danny Days and shit mm-hmm. in the the one room that's that's pretty big. But have you been in the new room? That's inst- when you go down the hall, you go to the left. Yeah, it's frigging ginormous. It's gigantic. Yeah, you like you walk in yeah. and it, it 
we just kept saying like this feels like before you ever went to a rave and just thought I pictured it in your mind like that's what you see these giant the spot yeah. giant ceilings yeah. and this just overwhelming sound sure. just filling yeah. this tunnel vision of a room yeah. like so it was awesome Adriatic just friggin slayed it, it yeah was, they did the uh, they did the New Year's show I'm pretty sure in that same that same spot uh-huh and that was that was a lot of fun who who was New Year's I, um, I can't even remember who that was can't either, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> I was there for the Halloween party with Anja Snyder and. Uh, oh, that's Recondite. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the no, Halloween was, party. Yeah, it was Recondite and Anya. Mm-hmm. Halloween, yeah. That was it. That, that <laughs> was what I'm thinking. Yeah. That was a good fucking party, yeah, too. Yeah, that was good time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, next weekend uh, there's an event going on at. Uh, fusion factory called Bernal Equinox and it's it's a uh, Burning Man sanctioned uh, burner event okay, yeah. and my buddy Alex uh, he has the uh, the glow bus and it, have you have you heard of that yet? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, his mobile DJ stage. He was a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago or cool. a few episodes ago and yeah. Uh, yeah, he's doing an outdoor stage. The, the event goes from uh, two in the afternoon until I think three in the morning. Okay. And uh, I just found out today that they have uh, sold 700 tickets for it already. And uh, his stage is going to be the only one outside. And me and uh, my girlfriend get to play uh, Sunset oh, from like man. four to seven. And yeah. down. So that's going to be a lot of fucking fun. Yeah, Looking forward to that. Definitely. I always like to play to uh, a different crowd who is probably more used to like the the burner breaks or whether whether it's a right, burner crowd yeah, yeah. or like side trance kids yeah i love to play uh some good fucking house and techno yeah and, definitely uh and then be nice. like what the fuck is this shit yeah, that'll be sweet. <laughs> yeah that's always a good time yeah yeah <laughs> especially outdoors yeah yeah oh, man. absolutely and with the weather we've been having here lately i'm sure it's gonna be a fucking perfect day nice uh and then other than that i oh i did want to announce uh a month from now uh, april 9th I'm going back. Uh, there's a music festival called Mission Creek Festival. It's it's sort of like a smaller version of like South by Southwest kind of mm-hmm. points more towards like indie music. It's it's a lot of the, you know just like nothing mainstream kind of multimedia. They they have like poetry and comedians and stuff like that. I think like Mike Mark Marin and Kevin Smith are going to be at it. Oh wow! But uh, this is Very my cool. sixth year being involved, and I do the. Uh, uh, underground electronic showcase for the event That's so sweet. uh I, it's called mission b and uh this year i'm bringing jan von leer out there for his first time in iowa and we've been trying to get that to happen for quite a while Very so cool, yeah that's Definitely. gonna be exciting and then a couple other local boys and really looking forward to that so all you iowans mark your calendars for april 9th other than that uh yeah do you have any upcoming shows or any gigs coming up you have lined up or like i said i haven't been really pursuing anything lately um i've been working on production and whatnot and just trying to do that with my free time but uh i have uh i have talked to aa about um with colin about you know coming back and doing something with them and then also uh uh, I spoke with uh, Andy from Unstructured Sounds the other day, and uh, we got something in the works uh, for the summertime. So, oh yeah, I'm excited. The for Denver that. Summer Showcase. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, he hit me up about that the other day, and yeah, I definitely want to be involved. So it should be, should be cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. And oh, I don't know if uh, you probably haven't heard, but uh, we set a date for this year's together. Uh, that 
Renegade Party Mountain I Mountain right, Party that yeah, I, yeah. I throw. Yeah. It's uh, April 29th through the 31st. Uh, okay. So mark your calendar because I'd love Definitely. to have you come up and play for sure. Yeah, man. for sure. Uh, last year was pretty outrageous. And yeah, yeah, this year's promising. I've heard good be, things. Man. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I love the mountain parties. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's always something I. Just, <laughs> it's it's a know. big family jam session, and yeah. we get like like twenty DJs from Iowa to come out, and it's just like an intermingling of just awesome scenes, and yeah, that'll it's, be it's sweet. a lot of fucking yeah. fun. So nice. looking forward to it. Cool. Well, let's kind of change gears here and uh, kind of learn a little bit about your past and uh, mm-hmm. where you come from. Uh, so, like we've said, you're a native, so you're originally from Colorado. Right. Uh, where in Colorado were you born? Uh, I grew up in Aurora. Oh, right here? Yeah, so, yeah. How far from here? <laughs> um, Ten minutes away, you know, uh, right off of uh, Yale and Peoria. Oh, okay. Basically. So, yeah, moved, moved when I was in high school out to Centennial. I think it was still Aurora back then, but um, yeah, it's Centennial now, and off Orchard and Parker. And oh, okay. So, right on. So, um, what kind of as you're growing up, what kind of stuff do you get into when you live in Aurora, Colorado? Did you have uh, <laughs> hobbies or uh, collect some shit? I was really into like video games and computer games, and uh, I I played soccer. I started playing soccer when I was seven. Um, bunch of the neighborhood kids played and I just got really into it and, um, played all the way through high school. So that was, that was really my main kind of hobby. Um, but yeah, I used to, you know, I used to play like street ball with my buddies and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And, you know, I was, yeah. I was terrible at basketball for real, but, um, but uh, but I, I thought I was good playing with my homies, so <laughs> for sure. We of got course, the, I always get hyped for it. Yeah, I yeah. always get asked. Larry Bird. It's, it's the first thing they always ask me. They're like, "So did you play basketball?" I was like, "No, <laughs> sorry." <laughs> but yeah, I am six five. So <laughs> and yeah, our buddy Harry calls you Larry Bird. All yeah, the time. <laughs> you kind of resemble him. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it started as a nickname when I was seven. Oh yeah, actually and. It's stuck, and I kind of I used it way too often as a Halloween costume. So <laughs> it's the uh, still going. I used it this year actually. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, people love it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. So yeah, you were saying you're into video games. So what? What, what was your? Were, were you a Nintendo guy? Yeah. Yeah. Original I had, NES. I had original NES. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, I I had I was a Nintendo guy up through like college. Yeah, sixty four. I picked up a PlayStation. And, yeah, um, Tony Hawk kind of. Oh, Tony Hawk for Skater. Yeah, <laughs> I, did, I played that when that demo came out. I remember we were going to my family reunion in Nebraska, which is like a six hour drive. And we played that fucking game, the demo. It was like yeah. a two minute demo of like one of the levels. Oh yeah, and, and you it just, just had that Primus song on repeat. Yeah, yeah. Jerry was a racer driver. Over and over again, you play. Yeah, for sure. I remember like six that. Six hours straight <laughs> yeah. playing that shit. Just, just mastering that yeah. level. <laughs> and no, none of the other Tony Hawks lived up to that first one, man. That first they one. Really, did, yeah. It, you it was know, the like, best, man. I played them for a while, but they, they, they went downhill, obviously, and like. Skate came out and played that. And yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, now I went. I went home on a Christmas. Like, buddy in the dorms had 
a PlayStation, had that game, and we'd always go to his room to play it. Came home Christmas break. Like, I had an N64 and, like, 20 games and a bunch of controllers and, you know, memory packs and the, all the stuff. And yeah, rumble, rumble packs. Rumble packs. Dude, yeah, rumble <laughs> packs and, like... <laughs> it was crazy, but I came home Christmas break and I traded it all for a PlayStation and Tony Hawk. Oh, really? All, all 20 it. games? Yeah, all of it. All what? the controllers. Like at a like, GameStop or something? Yeah, something like that. Oh, like, man. And I, I was, because I was obsessed with that game. Like, <laughs> it was just, it was the best. And I had skated, I, I skateboarded for a while uh, in middle school and high school. And and so I was like, it was really like just all about it. But yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah totally, man. Yeah. So yeah, uh, high school, the, I mean, I guess you kind of touched, you played soccer and stuff, but uh, did you, what were any other interests? Did, were you in band or playing instruments? I was I was in band in middle school, and I played saxophone oh, okay. for a while. Um, I took piano lessons when I was really young for a little bit, and I just, I couldn't stand it at the time. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I wish I had stuck with oh, it, yeah, but that's so bad, wish. just badly. <laughs> but, uh... My uh, my dad is actually a composer, um, and he writes music for a living. So, uh, like classical music, or he writes a lot of music for like commercials, and uh, he's done a lot of stuff for like news stations oh, okay. across the country. So, he had a really big contract with Hearst Argyle um, for a long time, and they own like 30 some news stations across the country so he was doing all their music for a while yeah he has seven um heartland emmys oh man you know like and and when he he sits down to the the yamaha c7 he's got a you know a grand piano in Mm -hmm. the in the living room and he sits down to play every morning and if i happen to be at home it's like you know, it's just like it's such a treat because you wake up to that. Then just like I can't, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty amazing, yeah, for sure. Cool. So. <laughs> well, so, what does he use to produce the music? He uh, he works in Performer, Digital Performer. It's just a you know, it's a DAW like a bunch of the other ones. And, mm-hmm. um, but Digital Performer, I think, was you know, is one of it's probably one of the original DAWs that was you know on a on a Mac so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just, it's just blossomed, you know? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, but he used to sit down by the piano and just write everything by hand. Oh, wow. You know, and my dad got to work on a project where we went to London and he got to record with the London symphony. Holy crap. And you were the, there for the that? little bits that I, yeah, I was pretty young. The little bits that I remember though. I mean, it's just like, it's phenomenal. That's that's some shit. Cause like to yeah. work with a professional orchestra is like it's crazy. Yeah. It's like especially them. Like it's like just tens so... of thousands of dollars an hour. Like, yeah, to yeah. Have that many professionals yeah. in one room. Like... Exactly, and especially on that level. I mean, it was it was really, you know, it was really special. Yeah. And it's it's even more special now that yeah. I can actually appreciate. Oh yeah, it, you know, <laughs> I mean, the London Symphony Orchestra is like the people who did Star Wars, like the Star Wars soundtracks. Mm-hmm. It's like. The, the orchestra yeah yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> that's funny that's and awesome. and you know they got the they got the news company to 
you know, f- they floated the bill for the whole thing, and my dad got to like conduct them and everything. Wow. I mean, it was crazy. That's yeah. a trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's done some really cool things over the years, mm-hmm. and so I get a lot of of my music, I guess, ability from from him. Yeah, yeah. My mom, both my parents went to school on a music scholarship. Oh, okay. Um, for college, and uh, my mom got into the medical field, but uh, my dad's. You know, stuck with it, and yeah, and yeah. been re- very lucky with you know, how well he's done too. So it's, it's been cool. Good. It's been cool. Hell yeah! Be, you're an on, only child then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that, w- what kind of music would your parents listen to in leisure time, or did th- did that influence like when you were a growing up? Of, what kind of stuff? You're yeah, into? like well, not not a whole lot. Like they'd listen to a lot of like Steely Dan oh yeah you know just so my dad's favorite amazing you know they're yeah. playing at Red Rocks this, this really yeah, yeah. yeah oh man my pa- I was, we were talking to my parents about coming out for try and go my yeah. dad loves Steely Dan yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure mm-hmm. um, my dad was always like working on music so I'd always hear what he was playing you know but I don't re- I don't remember a whole lot of my mom is into, you know, my mom's really into, like, classic rock. My mom saw Jimi Hendrix live oh, at one wow. point, and I'm just like, <laughs> that just, I mean, it, like, when I first heard that, my jaw dropped, and, like, I felt like... How old was she? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but, like, you know, that's that's the time that they grew up in, and my dad was really into jazz music, and so he didn't, he didn't really... He didn't really get into rock and roll back then, mm-hmm. you know. And he was he was playing in jazz clubs, and he played saxophone, and um, he wanted to play football, but my uh, my grandmother made him take piano lessons instead. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up really liking it. So yeah, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did uh, in high school? When did you kind of like started listening to your own music, or what was kind of the first stuff that you would? You really felt passionate. Well, about. so I would, or was it from Tony Hawk? Honestly, even in like, we'll get into that. But like, <laughs> honestly, like when I was when I was really young, you know, I'd sit in my room with the radio on, and you know, it was like KS one zero four three or something back then. I think it's one zero seven five now, but um, you know, they played all like the R and B, like hip hop jams and stuff like that the gangster rap and and i would sit in my room i I would be like building crazy things with legos right you know Mm -hmm. on the ground and like i would i would stick a tape in my boom box and i would record every time like a song came on that i really wanted i'd record it you know i was kind of like the early signs of me wanting to be a Make, DJ, yeah, I guess, yeah. you know, like making your own mixtapes. Yeah, exactly. So how, how one track went into the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if yeah, you know, I would, I would listen to it afterwards as long as I wasn't recording the next song, you know, and like I would listen to it and make sure I got like the whole thing like i like i i got it on time like i was ready for it you know like yeah. <laughs> and and if i didn't get it i'd back it up and i'd wait for the next hot jam to come on you know <laughs> so so i was listening to uh you know i was listening to stuff like that i had some friends that were really into like rock and roll and uh hair bands and stuff like that but i never really, really what year would this have been then like high school this no. This was uh, this was definitely in middle school or before. 
um, well, middle school was like kind of when the gangster rap thing was coming up. So mm-hmm. the years, I yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I just can't even <laughs> I can't even really think about the years a whole lot. But mm-hmm. um, but like I was really you know I was really into like one of my top jams is Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. I love that track and. I was going to summer school and I was sitting next to um, this girl and she she was like she wanted to listen to my my mixtape and um, and she she put on my headphones and whatnot and she started singing like the real lyrics to Gin and Juice and saying like Indo and you know stuff like that and uh, and I was hearing it on the radio and it was like it was all that stuff was cut out yeah yeah and I was just like. What, what's Indo? Like, what, what is all this stuff? Like, I didn't know anything about weed back then. You know, I yeah, knew yeah. about it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything really about it. And mm-hmm. Indonesia and all that. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Indicas and, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she was singing the real lyrics, and that was, that was hilarious to me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know any of them. <laughs> I had all this gangster it's a badass bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It That's... was definitely a turn on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, did you discover electronic music while you were in high school, or was that kind of after the fact? Yeah, I was in high school. Um, all, all of my friends were really into punk music, so I was listening to like a lot of uh, like Screeching Weasel and Rancid. And what what you know, Rancid was a Op Ivy, um, Operation Ivy, and I, I was mm-hmm. listening to that, and like a bunch of stuff like that. But I, in like '97, when the Prodigy dropped, Breathe, and and uh, the Fat of the Land, I happened to see Breathe on MTV uh, when they still played music videos. <laughs> yeah, <no shit. laughs> and uh, for MTV Two, and- that really just. <laughs> That got me so excited. That video was so crazy, and like I thought it was so cool, and just the music really grabbed me. And I was like, "What? What is this? Like yeah. this exists, you know?" And uh, yeah, I remember like that same time, like the same time. I remember like being really young, like and seeing like Aphex Twin music videos. Yeah, just, like, right. What is this music? This cra- yeah, it's crazy, right? It's like, <laughs> what is going on here? This like, what? That, so I can't. I don't hear this on the radio. <laughs> Who comes this up, stuff? Who comes yeah, up with this? It's so yeah. cool. Like, and so, at that point, at that point, I had a buddy, Jay, who he had an he had like a compilation from Herb Magazine called mm-hmm. Herbal Beats, and the Prodigy was on there, and so he knew that I was into it, and he was like, "Oh, dude, you got to check this out." So there were, you know, there was a slew of like amazing groups on there, like the Orb and Orbital and Me Be Manifesto and um, the Prodigy, Chemical Brothers, Crystal Method, like all kinds of just mm-hmm. great early electronica yeah. was on there, and and so I immediately started, you know, listening to all those groups and like subscribed to Herb Magazine and. Um, I went to Lollapalooza. I, I think it was either '97 or '98, and it was like the top headliners were Snoop Dogg, and then Tool played, and then the Prodigy played. Oh man! And it was just <laughs> incredible. 
That's that's hell. That's yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg and the Prodigy for you. Yeah, like, it was just like wow, like this is so cool. <laughs> I bet tickets for that were like forty bucks too. Back yeah, then. exactly. Yeah, seriously, it was so easy to go to shows back then. Yeah, just like yeah, I went to shows all the time, and and I ended up flying out to Seattle to go to the Prodigy show out there with my cousin, and Meet Beat Manifesto opened up. Oh wow! And it was just. It was just really special, but yeah, I haven't looked back since. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that was ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. Um, well, that was in ninety seven. Ninety eight. You know, ninety eight is when I went to I went to my first rave mm-hmm. in ninety eight, and that was right on the cusp where there were still map points. So me and a couple of buddies. It was like summertime and drove down to me and my buddy Michael Wigington. We drove down to uh, Paris on the Platte, and there's there used to be a little bookshop next to it. I don't even know if the bookshop's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I may have heard the Paris on the Platte closed, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, there was someone sitting at a little you know chair outside the bookshop selling tickets and maps to this rave and it was the sun rave that ruthless ruthless used to throw the planet parties and and michael knew this girl that was going to this thing and had heard about it and was like yeah let's go man like we don't have anything to do you know he had to work the next day but we was like let's let's just go check it out and you know, we get to this one spot. It's like, oh, we we have to drive up to Evergreen. Like, <laughs> you know, like so we drive up to Evergreen, and Mike's kind of worried about going to work the next day. It was like, dude, no, it's just like we'll just go for like an hour or something. Let's just check it out. You know, are you in high school then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. this is '98, and uh, summer summer after my junior year, and we pull up to this place in the middle of Evergreen, in the middle of nowhere, and. You know, it's pitch dark out, but there's three giant construction, like, dumpsters just overflowing with, like, booze and whatever else was being thrown away. Like, there was security checking all the cars. I was just like, what the hell is going on here? You know, yeah. like, this is crazy. And we had the ticket. <laughs> like we were there. You know? Yeah, like, oh, they were man. just throwing all kinds of stuff out. I was like... This is wild, but yeah, I guess they they weren't they weren't letting anyone bring booze in, and I'm sure you know they got it in anyway. But yeah, I've heard over the years that possibly Sasha and Digweed were there, but I had no idea. Yeah, like, I didn't know who they were. They were so anything. young, yeah. yeah. And there were like there were a couple really big circus tents just chilling, and uh, people, you know, it was like a total freak show, like it is, you know. Yeah. And it's like. <laughs> I it, it was a it was a total culture shock for me, but I felt like this is really cool, you know. Mm-hmm. This is awesome that this is going on, and and there was a guy who walked up with, he had like a huge snake around his neck, <laughs> and his shirt was off, and he was like he was crazy, like he was all dancing around with the snake, and he was he was putting it up to me and stuff, and it was just like. Oh man, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> a couple like you know, I went I went to a I went to a private high school like prep school. 
you know, here, here's two preppy looking kids at the rave. Yeah. You know, in their in their polos and their <laughs> you know, it was just it was so crazy, but how many people were there? Oh my gosh, I mean, the sun, the sun raves were huge. Probably there was there was probably, you know, 5,000 people wow, there man. or more. You know, it was huge. And man. like I said, there were a couple tents, so there were definitely a couple stages. We didn't wander around much. And we didn't stay for long, but after that, I searched it out with like a fever, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, I was, but, I was looking stuff up and finding it, and all kind, you know. I was hooked because that was the music that was just really grabbing me mm-hmm. at the time, you know. And so it was really cool. So, what made you want to actually start become, becoming a DJ? I guess, you know, shortly after being exposed to the scene, there was a store called Together World in Cherry Creek, and it was, it was basically like the little, you know, it was like the little rave shop. They, they sold a bunch of clothing and um, mixtapes, and, and it was Together Productions, it was like their store, mm-hmm. and they were like one of three you know, one of the three, like, really big promoters in town at the time, and I got hooked up with them to start throwing out flyers and stuff at parties, and so I started going to all the parties for free, because they'd get me on the guest list, and, I don't, like, Brad from Beatport was one of the owners of Together. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I met Brad and Liz and Jason, and, and you know, just the exposure to all the parties, and, like, you know, obviously it's expensive, to get in yeah to buy some you know buy some tables and a mixer but uh just all that exposure and being really you know i've made a lot of friends in the scene and i've you know there was just a lot it was just cool you know i just really wanted to try it out you know and one of my buddies zeb he uh and, and his brother nick they got some belt drive turntables i think when we were still in high school and uh, possibly, you know, I may have been like freshman year of college, at, and I'd play on it during the summer or whatnot. But um, so I learned how to play on some belt-driven turntables, and it was just a lot of fun. It just grabbed me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it does a lot of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just wanted to be, you know, it's like you get that feeling, you get that overwhelming feeling of the tracks being played and mixed together, and what it brings out in you. Yeah, that first time you make an actual beat match work, it's like oh yeah, oh, and that's oh. yeah, that's crazy, yeah for sure. Like that's uh, that's special, but like having that feeling from the music and those chills that go up your spine when you when you see that DJ do that, like yeah. man, wouldn't that be cool to do that for other people? Exactly. You know? So yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what was your first setup, and how'd you go go about getting it? So, my buddies had been like, they, a couple of my buddies, they were like, dude, you should, you should really get some tables, and um, had been pushing me for it for a while, and I was, I was living with uh, my, my friend Brandon and in college. It was, it was like my junior year, uh, 2003. I mean, I had some extra money sitting around from school loans and whatever else, and mm-hmm. I found a pair of Technique. 1200 m3ds on ebay for 800 bucks and it was like it was like all right well i have the money let me jump at it and 
my my other friend Jesse, he had been doing it for a little while, and he had a DJM Pioneer DJM five hundred, like the original, like you know, it's like black and um one of their earlier mixers, and and he had he had to pawn it, and he was telling me he was like, dude, if you know, you should you should go get my mixer out of the pawn shop and I'll, I'll pay you for it you know down the road when I have the money I was like alright so I did that because that was the mixer you know that I wanted yeah that's yeah. what everyone was using in the clubs and and I had the text and uh, although one of the tone arms was like cracked when I got it but I didn't I just didn't care you know I had text you know yeah. it was huge <laughs> like, and after you've played on belt drives for a while you know like texts are like butter Oh, yeah, <laughs> so good like so so I went and got his I went and got his mixer out of the pawn shop and he never he never oh, ended up buying it back you remember? I think it was it might have been like 500 bucks yeah, or something yeah. like that yeah so it was a smoking deal and, mm-hmm. you know and now I had this sick setup <laughs> <laughs> played some college parties and all that you know it was good mm-hmm. so heck yeah well, yeah, I guess, yeah, you just mentioned college, so we kind of rewind and go back to that. But so you, after you graduated, you, uh, where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to CSU, Fort mm-hmm. Collins, um, studied graphic design. I, 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 I was in band up through my sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. and I quit to basically get into art. And I took every art class that my high school gave at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, through junior and senior year and I was getting into graphic design senior year it was kind of like there weren't too many of us in the class it was brand new you know we were learning illustrator and I think maybe second semester was learning about photoshop and and then the next I think senior year I I took it was almost like okay well you guys have done this let's make it like a you know, an extension of that, and we just kind of pushed further. But um, so I knew I wanted to be in graphic design when I got to school, and but yeah, I went to CSU and was still, you know, I was I was driving down like if my fraternity wasn't having a party, I was driving down to like a rave yeah. on the weekend, you know, or like out to wherever it was because mm-hmm. they were, you know, they were all over the place. But yeah, yeah. Was there much for parties up in Fort Collins at all? at the time a little bit yeah um there was a there was a place called static i mean for the most part it was you know it was like a gay bar but uh they you know they they played electronic music you know most nights i think they had like a drum and bass night or something too but um but yeah my first my first residency actually ended up being there because i had a buddy who buddy Ian uh, DJ down under he secured a night there and it's kind of where I cut my chops for a while <laughs> you know yeah. so Fort Collins probably be a good place to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely but there was also a, there was also a club called Matrix um, that you know one of my fraternity brothers Brian Wyman he he was he was already DJing there I didn't I didn't actually know he was a DJ until I got into the fraternity he would play there on the weekends and then on Wednesday nights 
we would go over there with a bunch of friends and and play and just get like you know just drink for free and uh and that was a really good time so i you know i got a lot of expo you know play time that way on like a really decent system and mm-hmm. that was that was really good although i i mean it was terrible it was terrible back then <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> matching beats like it took a while for sure mm-hmm. but those were you know those were good times uh I would I would take all those friends like they weren't really exposed to the rave scene yet in Denver and so I would get us all on the list for parties because I had the connections through together and um, and we go we come down for a bunch of shows and stuff and that was that was cool it was it was a fun time for sure <laughs> cool yeah so I guess yeah you were you got in through. Uh Brad, you said did Brad with Beatport? Yeah, yeah, Brad, like Brad with Beatport um, ran Together Productions. Um, there was, you know, there was Together Roofless and Bo Basic, Basic Productions. Uh, they were throwing all the big raves, mm-hmm. and uh, but like Brian and Jesse, really, you know, they really kind of, they really kind of schooled me on like what what it took to play vinyl. Um, Jesse, you know, I had been trying to play vinyl for a while, and Jesse sat me down one day. He was like, "What are you? Are you, are you counting the thirty-two beats?" I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, not, <laughs> I'm just trying to mix it on the beat, you know?" Yeah, like, yeah. and phrasing. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> phrasing, and I, you know, like that changed my world. Like, mm-hmm. I, I went crazy with phrasing after that, you know, and I was, I was matching beats you know in like 30 days like after a month because yeah. i was like prep like i so much bullshit yeah just yeah like, oh, just cut so much out like it just, just made it work yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah and I, I you know i would i was playing all i was playing at home all the time and you know practicing constantly before doing my homework and stuff you know? <laughs> like, yeah yeah so yeah so as you were getting better is that kind of how, how or how did you get gigs and start getting gigs in denver and getting integrated into playing out down here. That was, you know, that was through Brian. Basically, uh, you know, I had, I had been bringing them down to parties, but they, you know, they had been meeting people and stuff. And um, I'm not sure if Brian, I think Brian, Brian met Ryan Dykstra at some point. And Ryan had been doing a lot of shows down here. Ryan was from Fort Collins. And I don't know if Brian met him up there or what, but, Ryan introduced Brian Taha from uh, Global and Triad Dragons at the time. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, I mean, Brian's been a salesman like his whole, you know, his whole life. And uh, that's just what he's really good at. And so, Brian really, you know, secured a lot of the gigs for us for doing stuff. And I was extremely lucky to have him in my corner for that to be thrown into, you know, big shows like right away. Yeah. Um, We started playing at the church. You know, it was like 2005 was when we, uh, Brian and Matthew Orloff launched uh, 2040 and asked me to be a part of it. And we had our first show at the church 
in Feb at the end of February in 2005, and we had a residency there with Ha for you know four years, mm -hmm. playing one Friday a month. Yeah, and that was that was incredible, mm -hmm. you know. And we we were playing a lot of other shows as well, but just to be thrown into that from the get go, yeah, was crazy. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, it got. Got me exposed to everyone and meeting a ton of people and yeah. So that I mean, effect. <laughs> I was just so lucky with that. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. How different uh, was the church back then compared to like nowadays? You know, I haven't been in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I hear they upped their sound system recently, mm -hmm. but um, they, they, they have a basement now. They've had a basement. Oh, the, yeah, but they've been using the. Maybe they use it more now, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the church is a wild place. There's, <laughs> there's like two, there's two rooms in the basement that they used to throw parties in and, or have DJs in and, uh, and then there's the main floor and the main, you know, the, the main DJ booth used to be up like right when you walk in off to the left, there's, there's a ladder that goes up to this um, essentially where the booth was and it was um, you know, it was maybe where the sermon was being given oh, okay. back in the day um, but the booth was up there and it was so you would look down on everyone and, oh, wow. I mean it was, just, yeah, it was really <laughs> cool yeah it was really cool but the first time I first time I played there that night I was like shaking, putting the record down. Was you know, for a while. Full house or? Yeah, it was packed. I mean, they were, you know, there were big nights there. Um, and Glo you know, as far as I know, Global's still doing nights there, big nights there, and um, yeah, it was that was that was kind of the heyday for you know, bef I guess before then. Brad, uh, Brad was doing shows. He was he was like the main promoter for Soko. Mm -hmm. So he was doing, uh, you know, he was doing vinyl. He was booking the shows at vinyl and the church every week, and you know, they're bringing in they're bringing in really big names all the time. And it was really kind of a magical time for the scene back then, because mm -hmm. it was it was really popping off. Yeah. You know? And definitely, you know, like the rave act came out or whatever, and kind of the, the underground parties kind of went. Well, they w everything kind of went back underground, unless the bigger shows, you know, like caffeine and stuff that Paul was doing. I mean, they they just got more legit about what they were doing. With yeah, the, you know, with the law and what, but yeah, those those good times. Mm -hmm. So along this time, did you were there any? Uh, groups or production teams you got involved with where you were actually throwing events? I started off with the Beat Pimps, which was my buddy Eli, he went by DJ Elroy, and um, he played a lot of like breakbeats and stuff like that, and this was right, kind of probably right before I had gotten in, you know, asked to do the stuff with Brian and uh, Orloff for 2040. But 2040 was like our main, you know, it was like our main crew. I was doing like house parties and stuff with the B-Pimps. Yeah. But um, with 2040, 
you know, we were we were doing we were doing that regular night at the church, and we were also doing we were doing a lot of stuff for Ryan Dykstra, um, you know, at various venues, and you know, we weren't really going in and picking out venues and throwing our own parties. We were more or less just you know being artists and playing shows. Gotcha. We had a slew of re- you know different residencies that like we we played at this place called Rocks in. Uh, it was in Union Station before any of the the renovation and all that. Oh really? Yeah, it was. Party it was. Uh, it was a crazy like little infused like infused vodka bar. It was all like it. It looked kind of like upscale, you know, and like it was pretty cool. And there was like a house night that I think I played at regularly there with uh, like I think Tommy Gray was playing there and Joe Sakaya from AA. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Tommy used to play together a lot and play with us. And But as far as, like, throwing shows, we were more or less just promoting parties for other people, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we had our night for them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so we would promote it ourselves, but, um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't, like, securing, you know, venues and doing anything underground, by, yeah. you know. For so. sure. So uh, along this timeline, when did you meet like Josh Mankey and I met Josh. I met Josh one night at Shay Delaney's house. Shay was living at the ballpark lofts, I believe, with our. I think he was living with our friend Panos. We just kind of hit it off right away, and I, you know, we were. <laughs> We were just both ripping on Shay like real hard, <laughs> which was funny. Which can but, be fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But <laughs> so yeah, like I ended up being like you know super tight with Shay and Josh and Panos. And what year is that then? Ish. <laughs> Yo, this is probably still 2005 or 2006. Yeah. I want to say. I mean, I hadn't been down here that long. Mm-hmm. In Fort Collins, and the crazy thing is, Josh was up in Fort Collins, DJing, but I never met him anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, like I, yeah, I, and I was playing a little. You know, I was playing a little bit up there at Static and whatnot, but I, I, I didn't meet Josh anywhere. Oh, <laughs> but wow. he was playing out a bunch of places, and like, I think actually Ryan Dykstra threw a party, like an after-hours party for like caffeine or something one night. And, and we were up there, and I think, I think it may have been at Josh's house, and he may have been playing. Like we've talked about it, but I don't, I don't remember like meeting him or running into him or anything or seeing him. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of wild. But. Yeah, yeah. So uh, after meeting him, how long because uh, you guys formed just us, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, Josh, uh, Josh played with Twenty Forty for a while. And it was like in 2009 that Brian Brian had talked to me one night about kind of getting out of throwing parties and doing the 2040 thing. And I, you know, he was I think he was just looking to take his career a little more serious with his sales job and whatnot. And mm-hmm. and so he was looking at retiring and kind of getting out of things. And he asked me if I wanted to, you know, if, if I wanted to take over for 2040 and he was he was kind of playing around with some ideas about maybe it would be me and like someone else or 
And so uh, it was, it ended up being me and Jason Chalemi and this other kid, Jason, and and I thought we were, I thought we were straight up partners, um, but like somehow, somewhere on the back end, like Brian had decided to sell the thing to Jason Chalemi, and like, I don't know, that whole six months was like really just probably shortly after that, because I walked away from it when I found out what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting paid, and it was it was just really shady. And and shortly after that, uh, Josh had he had been playing around with starting up um, a group with uh, our buddy Jason Burkhart. And Jason wasn't he wasn't so much you know on the DJ side of things. He was more on the production side of things and writing music, and that was kind of more his thing. And um, but Josh asked me to be a part of it and we ended up forming Just Us and Jason Jason you know played I think Jason played our first couple of shows but he didn't really he didn't necessarily want to be up playing I think so much and it, it was, it was kind of like um, he ended up not being a part of it eventually and, and I think kind of around the same time we uh, we picked up Aaron Lee because we knew Aaron from uh, from Omaha, mm-hmm. and we had we had been out to Omaha to play with him a few times and and to Lincoln, and uh, and we were pretty tight with Aaron. And Aaron was had just moved out to Denver, mm. and so. So Aaron played with us, you know, for a while, and um, and we brought on we brought on Brian Bellis at some point, and you know, that was just us. Um, it's kind of around when I was looking back at like fly. I used to I designed all our flyers for twenty forty and did all the just us stuff and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was like Just Us was definitely like a techno, tech house sort of thing, and I had I had been doing um, a lot of like deep house music and a lot of deep house gigs for years, so I was really like I kind of had my hands in all sorts of things. You know, whereas, like, Brian and Orloff, like, they were mostly going to the church and doing, like, the, you know, a lot of, like, the what would have became EDM type shows and yeah. stuff like that. And um, and whereas I was doing that, I still had my hand on, you know, like, the Deep House scene and the Treehouse guys and um, Denver Housing Authority and... Um, you know all that stuff with the deep house and and also like you know kind of this budding techno scene that's you know blossomed into what it is now mm-hmm. um, with punches yeah, those, yeah. Kid, those kids you know and yeah that's what I was also going to say so is this around the time that beta opened 
Yeah, so beta opened what in like two thousand eight, and we were yeah we were still doing twenty forty did some parties at beta. Um, Josh and I opened for uh, Donald Glaud one night. He's a character. Yeah. Oh my god! I love that like, guy. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Like, he's like fifty something too. Yeah, he doesn't like, look like it at no, all. He's got no. so much freaking energy. Dude, him <laughs> and Carl Cox just they sweat they work so hard behind the decks like and they sweat so hard and like they just nobody dances man they just kill it (laughs) and just that dry like I mean Don Glaude plays a lot of house you know but uh that night when when Josh and I opened up for him um man the the place was packed early Mm-hmm. Like we weren't we weren't the first set, but we were the second set up, and then um, that was that was so much fun. We had so much fun playing that show. Like that's that's definitely one of the top shows I've ever played. Yeah, uh, main fan. floor. Yeah, main floor. Did they have the just... the function one from the get go? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. they were the they had the top. They had the best sound system in the country. At that point, for like the first year and a half, or oh so, wow! You know, like it was like no one had function one, mm-hmm. and it was, and everyone was like crazy about it. Plus, I mean, their lineups were, their lineups were insane. The first like two years, mm-hmm. it was just really, really good stuff. And they had, you know, they had Beatport going on too, so they had all that to back it up. And you know, there were investors in Beatport, there were investors yeah. in Beta. And crazy was, stuff. Was Punches? From the beginning, then, of beta, or did it happen? No, no, Poochis was later on, like, because I know that, like, Scott, I I had been asked to do, like, B-Port was running the lounge at, you know, back in the day, and um, back when I was doing, like, the Deep House stuff, I had started uh, Soul Residue, that was kind of my own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing that with um, DJ Rescue, Ryan, um, who's, I mean, he's doing crazy stuff now with house music. I had been asked by Scott Parody, who was working with B-Port, for B-Port at the time, to do a few nights. Um, so I had maybe done like a, maybe three months in a row or something like that, like one night. Uh, one night a month and they kind of like they moved the booth around in there a few times right. and they kind of like yeah they changed up the setup a few times like a few times and uh, but yeah Poonches came later and that's when it you know I really stuck because before then there were like kind of a lot of different things going on up there and they kept like switching it up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. wasn't consistent. Yeah, it wasn't consistent for the most part. And, um, and I guess, well, it seemed to me that, you know, Poonches had been coming up like real fast. And the techno scene was doing some things and they, I think they did a night at vinyl that just really kind of like blew some people away and, um, and I believe they were asked to do the night at... Oh, cool. Port Lounge then. Right on. So. It's like 2010 or something? Yeah, yeah, it's probably... 
So yeah, I, I guess yeah, kind of looking back on you know this decade and a half of your involvement and stuff. What what do you what do you feels like's been well for you as a DJ or you know helping throw shows? What's been the best for you like best time for you? You think? And when when do you what do you think uh, Denver's been at its <laughs> best as far as uh, the electronic scene here? Oh man, like <laughs> pretty broad question, but yeah. <laughs> It, there, there Hard been to so say. There've been some really different eras, you know. Yeah. Like I said, like when I started out, that there was still a very strong like rave scene. There were, you know, there were there were a bunch of parties at the City Auditorium in Colorado Springs, which was just an amazing venue. That was a really special time because they were still they were still doing a lot of the outdoor parties and and then you know that there was kind of a crackdown on the scene and things got a little bit smaller and then it was mostly like club nights going on, you know, and, and, but everything really kind of, you know, it kind of took a hit and, you know, things here are crazy now, but, Mm -hmm. uh, things say like over the last four years have been as good as they were. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of, it's parties aren't as big as they were you know like there were i mean i went to some just massive outdoor raves Mm -hmm. you know caffeine and the the planet parties and you know and there were there were smaller parties too but punches was coming up um just us we were we were throwing some after hours parties things were kind of like there was like a nice resurgence when, I mean, dubstep like just blew up, yeah, right out of nowhere, and it really, it really brought a lot more people into the possibilities of, oh well, there's this going on too. Let's yeah, check this yeah. out, you know. Like so, there was a nice resurgence, especially you know they started doing dubstep on the main floor on Friday nights mm-hmm. at Beta. And so a lot of those kids, you know, they come upstairs for the beginning of the night and then they, they see, you know, they're, they're hearing techno and, you know, there's a really, uh, there was a really nice resurgence of new kids into our scene, um, into the underground scene from that, mm-hmm. I feel like. And, and now... Uh, you know, uh, electronic music and dance culture has blown up so big in America that it's mainstream. There's a lot of mainstream. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely mainstream now. So it's cool mm-hmm. for sure. Did I answer the question? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was <laughs> gonna remember. I know we're getting yeah. a little off on tangents. Oh here, yeah, so yeah. You know, there's there's so much there for me to talk about. Really. That, yeah, yeah. You know, it gets jumbled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, basically the question, yeah, was just uh, looking back, like, what's been the highs or, yeah, the oh, best. The highs, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's been the best and times. And, yeah, right. Um, when I first got into the scene, I really, you know, trance was a lot different back then, and uh, I, was, I was really, really into progressive house. So, like, when I when I did find like 
Sasha and John Digweed and Global Underground and all that stuff. Dave Seaman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Tanaglia. Progressive House had like this dark, you know, not not quite as dark as techno, but just this dark undertone and like, but it was like beautiful and like yeah. airy and emotion to it. You know, yeah. Like in recent years, you know, I I, I had. I had these years where I was just playing a lot of Deep House and like, you know, Ohm Records was like really big for several years with Mark Farina, Cascade, uh, Colette, Heather, Marquise Wyatt, um, Rhythma. They, like, Ohm was just like taking over for a while. So I was really into that, but techno. I have felt like it's really brought me back to kind of like the roots of what I was feeling back then. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's been really nice, I feel like, to come come back to that. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the last, the last couple of years have been really special. The last four or five years have been really special with that is feel that way yeah and the research have a come full circle yeah Yeah. for sure so cool yeah Yeah, it's been really cool approaching the home stretch of the podcast here and uh we're here (laughs) come to the best and worst section so yeah i'm just gonna yeah the best uh i'm gonna go through just a a couple categories here and you just give let us know what the the best and the worst of each category would be uh so the first one would be the best uh set as you've seen somebody play or it could be a concert you went to or a musical performance and and worse oh, could worse could yeah worse could yeah. be most disappointing as well it doesn't have to right. be right because we, we see a lot of shitty djs right <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah we're really spoiled you know yeah 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 it's <laughs> for sure man like i mean there's a lot of really great shows like i said like some of those parties at the city auditorium you know, it was almost like a festival where you've got all kinds of music on the main stage. Mm-hmm. You know, together, Basic and Roofless would throw these parties there that you'd have Terry Mullen and then, you know, maybe John Digweed and Sasha or like um, John Bishop. And then and then you might also have like Jazzy Jeff oh, wow. drop in like, you know just heaters of hip hop and like then you'd have craze come on and drop drum and bass and then like off to the side rooms there'd be like a drum and bass room and like um and like a little like deep house like locals room or whatever you know and like that was there were some you know there were some really great things going on there but I mean in like recent you know recent times Recent memories. Uh, I I know Communiki had been going on for a while, right? But mm-hmm. I had never gone. And in in I I want to say 2014. Yeah, it was two years ago. Um, Kink played. Yeah. And I don't know if you were there, but yeah, like, at the uh, the 
what's the, the hardcore apex. parkour practice gym. yeah yeah the apex place some of my favorite parties for that, that place yeah yeah for sure and but kink kink was absolutely like i was just staring the whole time like he was incredible live like mm. things he was doing with all this you know the hardware and stuff and the midi controllers and and I was already I was already a fan of his music, but to see him do it live yeah. like that was just incredible. Next level. I mean, it was, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. So that was that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's definitely up there. And that that was the year uh, Minolo played too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty special. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good. I I had to leave early, mm-hmm. which sucked but um it was free too which was the yeah crazy it was part. crazy right yeah it was sunday it in was boulder just, middle was just playing a four-hour set for free yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was special for sure yeah um the kink yeah kink was amazing um the year that daft punk played at red rocks i was there that was that was fantastic right that was incredible. Oh, yeah. and i i mean i hate to say this but I went and saw Chemical Brothers. That that's like, I don't know. It was probably right around. It was it was that year, and everyone was just like they were. Everyone goes crazy about the Daft Punk show, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. It was it was great. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the Chemical Brothers at the Fillmore, I I thought it was hands down like way better. Really? Like it, it just blew my it's mind. Definitely like, saying and, and Daft Punk's <laughs> yeah, it's Daft Punk's great. They're they're amazing but Chemical Brothers I've seen them a few times like I saw them at Red Rocks one year and I saw them at the Fillmore that one time and like that was one of the best shows I've ever been to hell yeah for sure what year was that then? it was when Daft Punk came 2007 <laughs> yeah, yeah right on right on yeah. <laughs> but I did see I, I saw the when I saw the Chemical Brothers at uh, Red Rocks it was the first year they did Rave on the Rocks mm-hmm which was thrown by 93.3 at the time and turned into Global. I think Ha bought it from them or whatever, the naming rights or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, they moved away from Rave on the Rocks because Rave was a bad yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But Fatboy Slim played in the middle of the crowd, like in... The booth, like the sound like booth? The round, yeah, the sound booth. Yeah. And... I've seen Fatboy Slim twice, and he he just have a big giant bottle of vodka in a in a brown paper bag, and a big thing of OJ, and he would just go to town, man. Like Jesus. he he doesn't he doesn't party like that anymore, from what I understand, but because he he knows. <laughs> but I saw him twice. I saw him at the Ogden, and both times, like just. Just hammered, but he was amazing. <laughs> awesome. He was so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that's great. cool as shit. Yeah, so worst shows. Yeah, I mean, when if I talk about disappointing shows, you know, I I went to Detroit four years in a row, and it's always it's always amazing. Um, you know, everyone, every, you know, everyone from Denver is at Old Miami hanging out this one year and and Tale of Us played mm-hmm. I was there for that among too among like a lot of other people yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a great show right it was, mm-hmm. it was a good time Th- that was like three years ago 
Yeah, three or four, yeah. Because I haven't been the last two years. So, well, yeah, it would have been four years. Yeah. It's four years. And, and so Colin and them, you know, brought Tale of Us out that year. Or they brought him out for Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to say it was that year. Because we had all just gotten done seeing them yeah, in yeah, Detroit. Yeah. And and I actually I, I was in the I was in the security line at the airport right behind them and I talked to them for a while. Oh, I was like, wow. Oh, you know, your your set was amazing. like that was a good time, like we had a great time, like that was that was a good show and like, you know they didn't have much to say, you know, like they they're foreign and Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> but uh but they came out to Denver and you know, it, I don't know I don't know what it was, but if it was the I mean, obviously there was like ridiculous hype behind that show mm-hmm. but it just didn't live up to expectations you know and like the, everyone was there mm-hmm. everyone was there and everyone talks about eh, it was just that you mm-hmm. know it was just okay and like I mean we had a good time and, yeah yeah but it was just it was just eh you know yeah yeah but, but yeah I mean when you talk about disappointing that Underwhelming. Underwhelming. That yeah, was, yeah. That was, that's the one that comes to mind. Gotcha. I mean, you see terrible DJs all the time and, like, whatever. I, I think, you know, I, I used to see Richie Houghton used to come, I think, for a short time back in the heyday. Like, he was banned from the U.S. Like, he couldn't yeah, come out here for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but back before, you know, like, now he... Now he just smashes, like, when I, I've seen him out in Detroit, he just kills it, you know? But back then, when I used to see him at, like, Vinyl or the church, he just, like, he'd wreck mixes. Oh, wow. He would just wreck them. Like, left and right. It was just like, like whoa, bro. And plus, you know, he's he's playing, like, really weird techno. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But it was just crazy, you know. Once you're a DJ, once you know, like, once you match beats all the time, and you hear the smallest screw-ups, and it's kind of nice, like, Carl Cox has a, a Moonshine CD where he misses, there's, like, two beats off when he mixes, but he fixes it right away, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice to, like, hear that. Yeah, you know he's real and yeah, <laughs> you know he's like a character. Too. Yeah, yeah, like he really like he was really mixing that live. It was one of those mixed live CDs. And Captures the moment. Yeah, and exactly. doesn't just feel like you're listening to a, a pre-recording. Or yeah, something, you know? yeah. It wasn't like done in the studio, and it wasn't like perfectly made. And yeah, all that, you know, that's that's a really. I like to hear that. Like, if guys are wrecking mixes, I you know I don't have a whole lot of. <laughs> whole lot of room for forgiveness yeah, like yeah if they're yeah. touring the world but <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah right on well cool now yeah well speaking of yeah train wrecking and shit uh what's the <laughs> worst set you've ever played and and yeah. the best oh man like worst set i mean there's i'm sure there's a handful that i just don't remember and whatever but when we used to play at the church, triads had a huge following, and so there'd be you know there'd be a ton of people there. Like I know there were like somehow 
for like Halloween, we would do Halloween. We would do the Halloween party most years. And the place was so packed you like couldn't move. Like they were they I'm sure they were breaking like fire code. <laughs> like I think there were one night that stands on my mind in particular, I was told there was maybe over five thousand people there. Oh man. It was insane. And sure some of them were downstairs, but like you couldn't you could see out and people just couldn't move and but so I mean Friday nights there were like crazy crazy packed pretty pretty much regularly and um you know there was one night I was playing peak hour it was after they had moved the DJ booth down towards the back bar I was playing on CDs and I hit the I hit the wrong cue button in front of thousands of people just probably cute. like right there yeah and it just <laughs> cut off the music and you know like and Brian 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 had a uh He'd walk around the club on a wireless... He had, like, a wireless mic, and he would, like... He would announce things or, like, whatever, you know, he'd announce the next DJ coming on or whatever, and... I immediately started spinning the record backwards for, like, a rewind. And and yelled out rewind, but Brian got on the mic, and he was like... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Looks like we got a job opening, people. Oh, <laughs> and, no! And I was just like... I was like, oh, no... <laughs> Asshole. Rewind. <laughs> Rewind. But oh, so shit. like in Yeah, you know, the like the CDJs that <laughs> What'd the crowd do? Did they They were just kinda like, oh I mean it wasn't it wasn't long. Yeah. You know, but I I I rewinded it, yelled out rewind and hit play, you know, and but <laughs> that was one of those you know, that moment's obviously sticks out. For sure, and I mean, it wasn't like a bad set or anything, but mm-hmm. it was just one of those blunders that was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, like, there was a club that was in, um, uh, it, it was in Union Station, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I was playing there with my buddy Ian, and it was Nutmeg's night, and I, I, had, I had seen Nutmeg play before and whatnot out in the scene, and... I didn't really know him. This was, you know, this was probably like 2005, 2006. It was one of my really early shows, but, mm-hmm. um, and it, I, I believe it was the first time I played on a, a rain, it was a rain rotary mixer. And so of course I was like super nervous. Yeah. Because there wasn't anything, you know, it's not anything like a pioneer. Yeah, like, so you just got, yeah. It's you, very different. Yeah, it's so different. And, I mean, I love the thing now, but <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing at that time. Oh, and, and the first uh, time you play on it, it's yeah. at a gig in front of people. Yeah. That's, that's and, how it and there weren't a whole lot of people there, so it's like, it's not like a big deal, but Nutmeg was running the night and I just remember he, uh, he came up into the booth and just yelled at me because, I was like, I was clipping it real bad. I was, I was pushing the levels like way too hard. And I, I just didn't hear it or what from the booth, you know, you can hear it. And, and it was just too loud. And, and he got so mad at me and he apologized <laughs> later, but like now, you know, we're like, we're, we're totally good friends and whatnot, but yeah, it was just, <laughs> just like, it was just one of those moments. It's yeah. like, ah, oh, damn! I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah, 
Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the shows have been good, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's always fun. And yeah, yeah. Highlights, you know, I, you know, I got to, I got to play for Nicole Mudaber. I think that was 2014. Um, at NORAD? At NORAD. Yeah, yeah. I got to open for her, and that was, that was amazing, because I, I was such a big fan of her at the time, and, um, and I got to meet her beforehand, and, like, she's a little bit intimidating, because her hair is so crazy, yeah. and, like, she's <laughs> just, like, she's just, like, cool. Yeah, you know, she plays some fucking nasty she's shit. She's just so cool, and, <laughs> and, uh, but... Yeah, that was definitely, and she, she enjoyed my set and told me that it, you know, she or like the last hour of it or what, you know, whatever, and half hour or whatever. But, um, but that that was, you know, that was that was really cool. I, I felt really good about that. That was special. And that stands out. I I opened for I opened for Lee Foss at NORAD before it was NORAD. It was like twenty two hundred. It's called Twenty Two Hundred. It was a flatline party um, with Scott and with Scott and uh, Nate uh, Fleet Meyer. Were th- they were throwing it. Scott Christensen and and Josh and I were, you know, we were really good friends with with Scott and had been doing some, you know, a bunch of shows for Flatline. And I was really excited to open for for Lee Foss, and I was really happy that they had asked me to do it. That was really cool, you know. Yeah, I, I I was really excited to play that show. And Danny Danny Marin opened for me, and uh, we just I mean we had a really good time that night for sure. Awesome, man. Yeah, sweet, sweet. All Lee right. Lee is Lee, you know. He's <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> that fucking hair too. Good times, yeah. He was, he was definitely like and. It was like it was really it was really kind of on the wire that he was even going to show up. I don't know because he was he supposedly was recording something for uh, I think Mix Mag or maybe it was it may have been for Resident Advisor, but he was he had to record a mix for them, and so his agent said he was doing that and yada yada yada. Who knows what he you know he's probably out partying all night. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and he he missed his first flight, and so we were just kind of like we were really unsure. I mean, there was a lot of hype behind the show. Everyone was really excited. We'd sold a lot of tickets, and here he might not make it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, luckily, he was in L.A., so he, I mean, catching another flight wasn't the biggest deal. But he showed up to the airport, I guess, in L.A. and lost his wallet. Oh my God! He lost his wallet and. Or left it behind or whatever, but he couldn't find it. And thank God he had his passport, because he was able to get on the flight and come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but he almost, almost didn't make it. And he had to fly to South America, like, right after. Oh, Jesus. So, like, or the next day or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, thankfully, yeah, he had his passport. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> he definitely needed it. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, yeah, the uh, the last one of the best and worst is uh, festivals. Festivals, yeah. Um, festivals are always great, man. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they're always 
You know, I I went to Miami for WMC the first time in 2007, and it was it was incredible. Did you go to Ultra at all that back then? Uh, we went to Ultra one day, like one afternoon, mm-hmm. and. Kind of at that time, it like wasn't like wasn't really what I wanted to do. And my buddy Chase, he had he had been to Miami a few times, um, and he he was a giant like househead. And so Ultra was just kind of like, eh, you know, it's like it's another festival, yeah, yeah, yeah. party type thing, you know, and um, it's just like. It's like the ultra yeah. music festival. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like it's Uber dance, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it was it was cool, but I had been to so many. I had been to so many like t- music festivals like that with big, you know, big giant tents or big stages and lots of people, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a total pain to park anywhere near there and to get in and all that and, mm-hmm. um, so you know I could probably chalk that up to being the worst mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure but uh, <laughs> but yeah I mean Miami was great just you know it's like all the hotels are, yeah have you been uh, yeah I went well, I went to Ultra in 2000, 2008. Okay. And that was before I knew about WNC. I was pretty okay. fucking young at yeah. the time as far as what I was involved in music. Right. And then uh, I found out about WNC as I was down there. So okay. I went the two years following, and, and by the third year, yeah. I had the WNC pass. Right. And at that time, you got into Ultra with the pass. So, right, yeah. So it was actually yeah. economical. <laughs> But for sure, yeah. no, it's amazing down there if you got the money because it's yeah, yeah <laughs> it's exactly. Expensive, the money but, is crazy. Yeah, but it's, so... it's crazy. It's it's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> like we were staying with a couple of my homie Chase. He went to school down there for a little while, and he had a couple of really close buddies down there, and they were kind of they were kind of hooked into everything. So they, you know, they pretty much got us. You know, all kinds of extras that we wouldn't have gotten, say, you know, we hadn't known them. And, mm-hmm. and so, so we had, we had an absolute blast. Like, and Scion, uh, car company, they were throwing like some kind of like DJ contest all year. And like the winners got to go play at WMC, right? Oh, yeah. And they had a contest in Denver. And, there were a bunch of us like going for it, you know, and but Shay Delaney and Panos, they ended up winning. Oh, cool! And I think you know I might have been like a runner-up or something, and and Panos couldn't be there the first night. Oh man! For the show, <laughs> and so I played with Shay. Ah, oh, wicked, dude! <laughs> at some hotel, and like it was chill, like it was it was super laid back. It wasn't like it wasn't crazy or anything. Yeah. Looks awesome on paper. Yeah, yeah. Paper, exactly. <laughs> Your friends are like, oh, shit, yeah, you're yeah. going to play. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was such a great year. And, um, 
the memories from that trip. I mean, there's a lot of really great stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunrises on the beach. And, yeah, like, <laughs> you can't about some of that shit. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, we just had a really great time. It was all like super close homies and was good and then uh, I went again in 2009 and and it was a lot of fun although I felt like I felt like it was just too much like the first time we had gone for I think I went for you know like five days Mm -hmm. but the next time I booked it longer because I was like oh you know I'll go kick it on the beach a few days on the end and of course by the end of the thing I'm like I'm ready to die. Like, go home and just die. <laughs> I just want to fall asleep. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to do anything. Yeah. And, like, the the first time we were out there, we were we were staying with his homies. And, like, so we kind of had, like, places to sleep and, like, at least couches to sleep on and, and whatnot. And, and the next time we went out, we stayed at a hostel. And of course, everyone's just partying like nuts on the on South know, Beach. On top, yeah, on yeah. South Beach, and like, um, in hostels usually, that you know, that's what's going down. Like, kids are just partying and traveling. And, yeah, but uh, but I remember like, I mean, we had, we had a good time, but I felt like it was it was just exhausting. Mm-hmm. And also, the money was like. That time around, the money, like, it was, I think maybe I even brought more to spend, and it was still, like, more cheese. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> like, why? Like, mm-hmm. And I, I told myself I wouldn't go back to Miami until I could do it right, mm-hmm. and, you know... It's gonna be a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I, like it's I love, just, and it's just getting more and more expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love like I'm really, I'm really into like shoes and sneakers and clothing and stuff. And so like Miami, the shopping is, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But to go down there and just be like, you know, broke. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, this is not. Oh, that it's would not, be nice. It's not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I, I said I wouldn't go back and um, until I could do it right. But mm. the next year, 2010, was my first year in Detroit, and it was you know Detroit's incredible. Yeah. Um, Detroit's really special and uh, much more affordable. <laughs> much more. Affordable. <laughs> oh, my gosh, way more affordable. <laughs> and yeah, it's just and and so many. So many homies from Denver and wherever yeah. just show up there. Like I, I always run into kids I know from San Francisco there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like, it's a reunion every it's, year. It's man. awesome. Yeah, um, I haven't been able to go the last couple of years, and I'm I'm skipping it this year. But I definitely I definitely will go back. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a few times. You know. Like, yeah. Yeah. For sure, because it's, it's... It's the only thing like it in America, really. Yeah, and it's and it's totally affordable. Yeah. You know, I feel like some of, like, those shows that, uh, you know, Insomniac throws out, or used to throw out in L.A. and what, in California and, uh, you know, Electric Daisy and all that stuff, and even, you know, it's not necessarily the music I want to see, but um, a lot of those shows are just so expensive mm-hmm. to do. So, Detroit is really, 
yeah. really great. And it actually benefits the city. Like the, yeah. the town is happy to have us versus exactly. any like, other fucking oh party. Oh my gosh, in Miami, they don't give a fuck that you're there. You yeah, know? like they, yeah. <laughs> they just don't. Care. Yeah, like they treat you like crap. Like. It's like, and and I'm sure all the prices go way up oh, God, when yeah. you get there, you know, like, I, I remember the first bar we went to, the, like, a Corona was like 12 bucks. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> all right, so we started, Chase, my, um, my homie, his girlfriend Diva had like this huge purse. That she had brought with her, and so we just started stuffing cars yeah. in it and taking it to parties because <laughs> yeah, so I, expensive. Yeah, I snuck a bunch of beer into a Sandra so Kleinenberg show because yeah. yeah, I remember <laughs> I got we were waiting to go into the party in the hotel lobby, and I got a, a Budweiser and a and a rum and coke, twenty six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. that's serious? how much it costs to get into this fucking party. <laughs> exactly. Like what the fuck. That's the crazy it's thing. It's gonna too. cost like, you a hundred dollars to get a buzz on alcohol. Yeah, here. the tickets, <laughs> the tickets aren't that bad. Yeah, you know? I don't like to get into shows, but like, <laughs> oh man, <It's> so <laughs> ridiculous. It, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Miami for you. Yeah, and plus, sure. like now, it's not, it's it's not really a hub for getting business done mm -hmm. in, in the music scene. So the dance music scene and so it's kind of like well you could go out there and make connections but everyone's everyone's off their ass yeah yeah you know? like what's the point and so mm -hmm. there's got to be you know it's got to be you get a lot of numbers you're like i don't fucking gotta remember be worth, that guy you know yeah there's got to be something you know there's got to be there's got to be some way you can like write it off you know because yeah <laughs> it's so true for business and mm -hmm. and it's hard to justify Especially when you you know you can go to Detroit and really do it. Up, Absolutely, so. totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on, man. We'll uh, we'll get this wrapped up here. Uh, yeah, if people want to find you online or hear hear your music or follow you. Or where right. can they do that? Um, <clears throat> currently, if you uh, you can go to my website at deviousd.com. Um, you can also look. Look me up on Mixcloud and Soundcloud under DVSD. Um, their DJ that goes by DVSD in the UK plays drum and bass, so you can tell. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I pretty much, I pretty much have the social media thing on lock for for our name, so I'm pretty easy to find. Okay, cool. So. Yeah, I can post the links on the. Uh the description too of the, okay, for the, yeah, for the podcast sure. so if people yeah. can click there uh yeah so is there anything uh coming up that you want to plug or shows or things you're going to be doing that you're excited about oh man like i well i was talking to andy about a denver summer showcase mm -hmm. um i am really excited about that i love you know i love uh summertime and playing outdoors and whatnot so mm -hmm. Um, that should be a good time. And that's the first weekend in August, isn't it? Is it? I think. I think okay, so. so it's late summer. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. We. I mean, he hadn't talked to me, told me dates or anything, but. I think there's an um, event for it on Facebook already. So. There probably is. Yeah. He's good about that. <laughs> <laughs> but early promoting is a good thing. So. Mm -hmm. um, Any trips coming up or anything like that? 
taking trips to music festivals, like vacations, mm-hmm. is almost like it's. It's, it's not, not really a, like vaca- a vacation. No, it's not a vacation. All, you know, no. so. <laughs> like I said, I haven't been to Detroit in the last two years. Mm-hmm. I've taken just time off from that, and. Um, but as I mean, far as my vacations, I, I kind of feel like I want to go relax. So yeah, yeah. I'd really, you know, I'd really like to. There's a lot of there's a lot of other festivals I'd like to hit, like ADE or um, BPM. Yeah, you know, sometime. But I'm really focused on you know my new job and and also like with my free time, I'm really focusing on production. Awesome. We have, we have that to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, all right, man. Uh, let's We'll get this mix on here. Uh, uh, what can we expect? What, uh, what kind of stuff you got lined up? Uh, it's, I mean, typically what I've been playing, you know, over the last couple of years even is just uh, Tech House and Techno. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is really, um, really driving Techno. And the mixes I, I put out, um, that I record, you know, from home mixes that aren't like live record recordings. I pretty much put, you know, a lot of, I put a lot of thought into as far as like how, how I'm feeling at the time and mm-hmm. what's going on in my life. And so there's, you know, it's, I named, I named the mix, uh, the mix renew. There's just kind of like a new, you know, like a, a, a new, a new era in my life and in in where I am musically and and so that's kinda the story I'm telling with the with the set. But it's a lot of there's a lot of really like I feel like driving um techno. Right on. It. Yeah. So Well cool man. Yeah. Let's uh well yeah, well, let's throw it on here and uh, uh yeah, just thanks again for uh, getting on the pod- podcast. I'm glad we finally got to make it happen and for sure man. I, I, I it's been fun. Man. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool to learn about uh yeah, being a native and everything, how you've been here for an, an ever-changing scene. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably sure. one of the best in America, I'm, I might say. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really special. Yeah, for the sure. melting pot of Colorado, so. All right, guys, well, here we go with DVSD on the ones and twos.
that'll about wrap up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, gang, and big thanks to Devin for shooting the shit with me and for laying down another tasty mix. Got another podcast on deck, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. We've got Chicago legend Paul Anthony coming in for the podcast, and we'll have a lot to talk about in his 30-plus years of being in the game. But until then, take it easy, guys, and we'll catch you next time.